Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Joel, and uh, I have the privilege of getting to present the message this morning. It's good to be here. Good to see you, especially on a holiday weekend. Thank you for coming. And uh, I thought to start off, I would introduce you to my family. Many of you know me, but you may not know my family. So here is an impromptu picture of my family taken at Christmas right outside the front doors. Most recent, not quite a Tiffany Fetter original, but uh, it's us. So we are good. And it's good to be here. Now today, I want to talk about uh, continuing with our concept of a God-centered family. And the specific target that I have is parenting. How will we parent? How will we raise the next generation? And as you can see, I have a bag over here. And this bag represents prescription. Almost like you go to the pharmacy, what do you need to do? Here's exactly what you need to do. This zone right here is the mystery zone that we're not sure exactly what's inside here. And this would be application. And over here in this bag, we have description. It's been said that scripture can be divided up into two categories or two lenses, prescription and description. God is specifically telling us what to do. And you see people in the Bible either doing that or not doing that, or doing that sometimes and not doing that other times. So we have prescription, we have description. Now, there in many cases is a void in between here and there. We're like, okay, so what exactly does that look like? Well, I'm grateful that God didn't always spell it out for us. Because think about it, if he was like, okay, this is what you do every morning when you wake up, you follow steps A through Z. And when it's lunchtime, I want you to follow steps A through Z. And when it's dinner time, I want you to follow steps A through Z. No, as we heard in our scripture this morning with Miss Andy St. Jean, that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. That's what we're supposed to do. And it even goes as far as to say, impress them, impress these things on your children by talking about it. When do you talk about it? Well, when you get up, when you lie down, when you walk around, and when you sit down. So pretty much everywhere. We're to talk about these things. But it doesn't tell us exactly how. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So let's open up with a word of prayer and let's get into prescription, description, and application. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, which is you sending us a message on how we should live life. And Father, each individual here today is seeking you and saying, okay, I want to follow you. I want to do what's right, but help me along the way. And Father, I pray that your spirit would guide and direct us in each of those ways. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to start off with prescription. So prescription I have from my, uh, I have mystery items inside of here. You know, this works with children. If they don't know what's coming, they pay attention. You can even make noises. And people are like, I wonder what he has in there. Well, Actually, I have a prescription container. And, you know, it's interesting when you go to the doctor and the doctor's like, hey, get this medicine. And you're like, okay, and, you know, do this. And you go to the pharmacist and the pharmacist gives you the medicine. Well, it's interesting when you get a new medicine, you often get a visit from the pharmacist. And the pharmacist is like, do you have any questions? Have you ever taken this before? Here's what you need to know. This is important. 
eat with it, don't eat with it, don't mix this medicine with it, and so forth. Well, often in scripture, we have the medicine, if you will, this is what you need to do, but sometimes we're like, I need a consult. I need to talk so I know exactly what to do. I mean, what happens if this happens, or how do I actually do that? Well, that's when we come over here to description. And in description, I have a little spyglass. Hello, nice smile, good job. But the cool thing is, is that scripture has a description of individuals who did it right, who did it wrong, who did it right sometimes and did it wrong the other times. It's, it's all over the place. So the question is, how do we get from prescription to description through application? Well, this morning, I wanted to focus on Daniel to get there. And Daniel, as far as parenting, if you didn't know it, my name is Joel Daniel Smith. My oldest son is Joel Daniel Smith. Hence, he goes by the name JD. Daniel means God is my judge. Why do I want to go to Daniel to learn some application that would apply to us today? Well, think about it. Daniel left home as a teenager. It wasn't his choice. But he had enough scripture in his life that he made an incredible difference in the world. So let's go back to Daniel, and we're going to look at Daniel chapter 1, Daniel chapter 2, and Daniel chapter 6. So if you have in your Bible and you want to follow along, you can do that. But before we do, I want to talk just briefly about the book of Daniel. So a couple things. Number one, the God of Daniel is the same God that we serve today. Sometimes when I look at individuals in scripture and they're mighty men or women of God and you're like, well, they were superhero class. I'm not quite superhero class, I'm average class. Where do I fit in there? It is the same God filling these individuals who did amazing things. And if I were to ask you, do you wanna do amazing things for God? You would say, yeah, as a matter of fact, they do. This is the same God we serve. The other thing I like about Daniel is that his times were worse than ours, but similar to ours in the sense that all of culture and society is heading away from God, and he existed at that time. So a couple things that are interesting. I, I'll be honest, I learned something new, and uh, you probably, many of you knew this, but I did not. So think about this. If you're familiar with your history, you have the kingdom of Judah, the kings of Judah, quit honoring God. And they pretty much did everything the exact opposite of what God asked them to do. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And God is like, hey guys, if you don't follow me, you're gonna, there's going to be consequences. If you don't follow me, there's going to be consequences. They did not care. So how do we get a Daniel out of that? Well, this is fascinating. So you go back in the history, there was a king named Josiah. In the 18th year of Josiah's reign, he says, let's clean up the temple. They clean up the temple. They say, hey, look what we found. We found the law. Let's read it. They read it. This is amazing. Most likely, at the time that they found the law and read the law, Daniel's mom was pregnant. So, all of a sudden, God reintroduces the word of God into their family in a culture that's just so pagan. They're doing everything the opposite. 
and Daniel's parents hear this information, the law. King Josiah, they tore their clothes. They said, wow, we're doing the wrong thing. We need to change. People did change. And we know that more than one family changed because we also have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who also took stands. So when we go to description, we have the fact that something happened in Daniel's family that changed the norm that allowed them to head in the right direction. Well, if the law is introduced and it's heard, how do we as parents apply something like that? And the reason why I like this message today is that we are targeting families, we're targeting moms and dads, how do you help your children? But the cool thing is, is this message really targets the individual. It targets the individual through Daniel. The parent has to do a little extra work to figure out how this works for their children. So number one, when the law is introduced, we need to know it. We need to know the law. How do you help yourself or your children know the law? Well, you started with Noah's illustration. If we leave God's word on the shelf, it doesn't come alive. We've got to make God's word come alive. Well, a couple of things that I have to help you with children. Number one, if you have family devotions in the evening, I like the Jesus Storybook Bible. Now, this tells a narrated version of Bible stories. However, every single story points back to Jesus. There's a, there's, I call it a red thread. There's a red thread in every story. Now, what's so cool about this is sometimes it changes your focus a little bit, and I'll give you an example, the story of Leah. One day I'm reading this to my family, and uh, the story of Leah, you remember, uh, Jacob had two wives, Leah wasn't his choice, and then there is Rachel who was his choice, and it talks about how God loved Leah, and how when you think about it, Jesus's line comes through Leah. Very interesting perspective, but it points you back to the red thread. Now, another uh, tool I want to encourage parents with is the Action Bible. Now, when I was a little kid and I couldn't read and I knew I was supposed to read the Bible, uh, my parents gave me David C. Cook, red cover, the picture Bible. And by going through the pictures, I had a very basic but complete knowledge of many of the Bible stories in Scripture. What's so cool is that uh, Sergio Garcia, the illustrator of this book, same story. His parents gave him a picture Bible. Well, he went on to be a uh, illustrator, and one day he said to David C. Cook, hey, can I modernize the picture Bible with some cooler art? And they said, sure. So this guy actually did DC and Marvel art, and he did the picture Bible, and it is incredible. So this is another resource. And one of the things that we have added in our family ministry is there is a wall as you enter our education wing. And instead of having a bookstore where we're trying to have inventory, we just have our team say, what would be beneficial tools for families? And we're gonna put up books, periodically different ones. If you're interested, you can shoot it with your phone, get the QR code and go to wherever we found it, whether it's at an uh, Amazon or Christian book, and you can order it yourself and have it for you in a couple days. Pretty incredible. Well, there's one other thing. How do, how do we get to know the law like Daniel knew the law? And that is by memorizing it. 
Now, in children's ministry, we have something called Camp Daniel, and we have core Bible verses that we think every kid should know. And this is a set that focuses on God's law and the Lord's Prayer. So on the front, you'll see the Bible verses. There is a spot for someone in the church. It could be anybody. It could be your pew mate. It could be the sound technician. It could be the guitarist. It could be your Bible class teacher, someone at church to sign off for, and then a parent for the parent to sign off for. And then the Bible verses are on the back as well. And then at the bottom, it tells you there's a reward if you do this. My dad used to pay me a dollar to memorize a Bible verse, just saying. But if your son or daughter memorizes this whole thing during the week of spring break, we're going to go on a specific day, and it's written on here, we're going to go to Baskin Robbins. And your son or daughter can pick anything they want on the menu. They can pick the biggest hot fudge sundae, and they can get whatever they want. This is just a motivator to encourage you as parents to encourage your kids to hide God's word in their heart. So Daniel had convictions. How do we have convictions in our life? And what's the difference between a conviction and a belief? Well, Webster's Dictionary defines belief as assent. I agree with that. I agree with that. That's pretty good. But conviction, it uses the words firmly held. So assent and firmly held. How do we get from assent to firmly held? Well, it starts with knowing God's word in your heart and knowing it well, knowing the law. Interestingly, uh, Tony Dungy has a, um, uh, has a website called All Pro Dads, and on his website, he has listed ways that uh, one can build conviction. And he has 13 different ways. I'm going to give you six of them. Number one, who are you when no one is watching? How do we train our kids to do what's right when no one's watching? Number two, life is hard, but character is revealed through adversity. Now, if any of you were watching football last night, there was a game where one team experienced incredible adversity, and it pretty much looked hopeless. But as I gave up on them and looked at the news the next day, I discovered that they came back from an incredible deficit of adversity because they did not give up. It doesn't always work that way in sports or whatever the case may be, but what an incredible example of persevering in difficult times. Um, another item that Tony Dungy mentioned is often we grow as much through the little things as we do the big ones. Think about it. As we parent, how can we keep on keeping on the little things so that when the big things come, they're not that big of a deal. We sometimes think, man, we've got to come up with this perfect scenario for this perfect bombshell. It's layers and layers of the little things, doing what's right according to God's law. Truth is critical and being truthful is true. We need to teach our kids to know the truth and to speak the truth as well. Uh, another one, be careful about what you do with your resources, your time, your gifts, your talents, what God has entrusted you with. And uh, the last one that I chose of his 13 is that uh, sometimes the most rewarding thing you can do in life is to stand alone for what is right. 
Have you ever stood alone for what's right? Have, you, have your kids ever had the chance to stand alone for what's right? So number one, Daniel had conviction. Now, why do I want to go from prescription to description? Well, because in this zone are the areas we're not sure the answers to. I'll give you an example. Uh, we've had a few kids. Uh, we had one philosophy when we started parenting on what I'm going to call the food wars. How do you get your kids to eat what they don't want to eat? And those can be fairly intense battles. And uh, we, um, Melinda and I had an opportunity to, to visit a friend before we had kids. And that friend's choice was we ate a dinner. And then when the dinner was done, the mom went back and made French toast for her child. And it's like, man, there's no way I will ever do anything like that. That's just crazy. Um, and then we had kids and we fought hard. We fought really hard on the food battles. But I can honestly say that my perspective changed from when I had my first kid to when I had my last kid. Now, why is that? Well, we want to filter things through scripture and we want to look at how does God treat us? How does, does God force feed us different things? I mean, there, there are different nuances that we can travel, but that was one lesson that we learned. So number one, we know that Daniel had conviction. How do we get conviction? How do we pass conviction onto our children? We need to know God's word. And once you know God's word, when you hear things, you need to grid it. So it needs to be filtered, filtered from your knowledge of God's word. And finally, you need to live it. And, and I use that as an example, but how would you do that at home? Well, it's sitting around the dinner table and having a conversation and saying, hey, this happened at work today and this was pretty challenging. How do you think you would handle this? Uh, I still remember one of my friends from Oregon, um, his company was about to go out of business and the, the employees knew that it was tough. And, uh, and so his boss came and said, hey, on such and such a date, uh, we are going to go out of business. So if I were you, I'd sell your stock now. And so he wrestled with, okay, this is information I can't share with my team. What do I do with that? And so laying that on the table with his kids and his family and wrestling through that and saying, okay, we know this about God's word. We've seen people who've done it right. We've seen people who've done it wrong. How can we grid this situation through that? And he actually chose not to sell his stock and uh, took a big hit. And yet God has blessed him to this day um, in different ways, which is very interesting. But the cool thing is, is that he lived that experience with his children uh, and his family. So number one, we need to have conviction. If I were to look at Daniel chapter one and summarize Daniel chapter one, this is how I would do it. From assimilation to leadership qualification, Daniel resolved to follow God in captivity. You know the story? They're, they were taken over. Uh, they were brought to Babylon. The king said, you know what? We're going to pick the choicest people. We're going to conscript them into service. They're going to be assimilated. They're going to learn our language, our culture, how we do things. And I'll give them a position of leadership. And it's interesting that Daniel did not push back until they push back on his identity in being who he was as far as what God's word had told him not to do. So he took a stand. 
he showed us conviction, and then we watch his life, and it will continue to rise. Now, the next chapter, Daniel chapter 2, if you remember from childhood or from reading the Bible, you will remember that uh, the king has a dream, and this dream concerns him greatly. And so he says, hey, actually pretty smart, Uh, if you guys can really interpret my dream, then you should also have the ability to tell me what I dream, because otherwise you might make something up. And so everyone's like, hey, nobody else asked their king, their wise men to do that. And so uh, that's an impossible thing. And he's like, fine, everyone's going to die. And uh, Daniel hears about this. And uh, in Daniel chapter 2, this is how I summarize Daniel chapter 2. The king's dream points to death then to the divine as Daniel and his friends seek God. So we see something interesting in the life of Daniel. We saw it in chapter one, but we see it more in chapter two. And that is that he is hanging out with friends that encourage him in the right way. Number one, to have conviction, we need to know God's word. Number two, We need to have community with other believers. And if you have children, we need to try to connect our children with other children to have connection. How do we do that? We have a church. Some of you bring your church every time the doors are open. That's one way to do it. Uh, I had one dad tell me, you know what? The two things that made the biggest difference in my life were sports because I was intentional about connecting my my son with godly influences and church. And we use those two things which funneled my kid in the direction that I wanted him to go. It's gonna be different for each of you. But the question is, do you allow your son or daughter to hang out with friends who encourage them in the right way? And if you don't, how can you be intentional about that? Well, a couple things I wanna tell you about our church. Number one, we have something new that we're going to be doing at Easter. On Good Friday, we're going to be utilizing our kids to put on a presentation that is an outreach. So Good Friday evening in the gym, there's going to be a tour that kids will take you through the gospel. And you'll see some components of the fall to the resurrection that will encourage you. But why are we doing this? Well, we want kids to connect with one another. We want families to connect with one another. But I so want our kids to know that, you know what, being a Christian, you have the exact same Holy Spirit that I have as an adult. You can make a difference the exact same way that I can as an adult because God is living through you. I don't want you to have this idea that, you know what, someday when I'm big, I'm going to make a difference for God. But no, how can I do that now? And we need families to come alongside and assist us with this. If you'll check out on the screen, we have a slide where this is all you have to remember is GFO. So firstcolonychurch.org up slash GFO, which stands for Good Friday Outreach. There is a place there where you can uh, sign up if you're interested. If you want to learn more information, Nancy Cornegie is facilitating this for us. And you can email her, and that was also in your e-note, her email as well. But I encourage you, how can we encourage our friends to have good friends? Now, a few years back, I had the opportunity to be on a parenting radio program. The host was gone, and so myself and another minister 
uh, took over for the day. And interestingly, we're just like talking about parenting and no one's calling in. And, and if no one's calling in, it's kind of hard to keep a radio program going. Well, my friend said something about bad friends. And all of a sudden, a lady called in and said, well, I don't think there, are, there is a such thing as bad friends. And it's like, uh, and then somebody else called in. How dare you say there's not such a thing as bad friends? And we learned an interesting principle. If you have friction, you will have phone calls. And so people started calling in and sharing their perspective. And uh, I will say that my perspective has changed on this one as well. And this is the thing you have to remember about good and bad friends. In a sense, yes, there are, and no, they're not. But this is the key. Who is the influencer? So if you have a son or daughter, and they have a friend that's influencing them, they're the lead in doing bad things, making poor choices, that would be a bad friendship. However, if your son or daughter has a friend who makes poor choices, but your son or daughter has the ability to influence them, that's a good friendship. Same person, different result. Very interesting. So how can we encourage our kids to have community or connection with others? And then the last point is uh, from Daniel chapter 6. And you remember the story. This is Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, people were jealous of Daniel and they, they wanted Daniel out of the way. And so uh, they went and said, hey, how can we get this guy? And the only thing that they could find against him is that he sought God. So they're like, okay, we're going to make a law that says you can't pray to anybody else other than our king. And uh, the way I've summarized this chapter is uh, Daniel's success targets him for the lion's den, yet he faithfully prays and God saves. So the verse that I have here is that uh, in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, three times a day, Daniel got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to the thanks to his God, just as he had done before. So this is what, this is the illustration. We know we're supposed to pray. Here's Daniel who prayed three times a day, just as he had done before. Nothing changed. So you're like, okay, what's something that I can do? Well, we know that we're supposed to pray continually, but here's an example. And so many of us probably pray at mealtimes as a result. Well, that's three times a day. We can do more than that, but the key is, is that he prayed. And what's so fascinating is in each of these illustrations, the one common denominator is that Daniel prayed. And so you're like, okay, Joel, uh, you know, we're working on the scripture. We're working on the friends. Uh, what can we do? I would say the most important thing is to encourage your children to pray and encourage them to be an example of prayer, uh, have consistent times of prayer, and uh, just keep it going. So now we have come to the time in our service when I am to let our worship team know if they could head up. We're about to enter a time of prayer, but I wanted to review really quick. So you remember how we have this, this zone that we don't know how to get inside of it to get the information out of it. And so I have given you three things. Number one is conviction. We need to know God's law we need to grid life through God's law, and we need to live God's law. But there's one thing I left out, and that is that if you were to make bread, and you were to precisely follow the recipe of bread, 
you know you mix these different things, you knead the ball together, then you put it in a nice warm place and what happens? It grows. Well, the key element is the Holy Spirit. Moms and dads, we are building a recipe, but the growth comes from the Holy Spirit. And so it's our challenge to foster a zone where we can bring our kids so that the Holy Spirit is free to work. So number one is conviction. Number two is friends or community. We need to have a community. And if you're like, you know what? I have, we've kind of internalized through COVID. Uh, you know, we just don't have time to make connections with people. There are connection groups that you can be a part of. Um, be intentional, seek someone out, have them over for dinner. What can you do to foster friendships with other people? And then we have uh, prayer, and that is communion with God. We, just like Noah had his illustration of being on fire for God, it's not something you do once a month or once a year or even once a week on Sunday, but it's looking for ways that we can constantly be in community with God in prayer. Now you notice I left one here and that's because nothing I do up here would be complete. There are many illustrations in scripture of people who did what was right or didn't do what was right. And your challenge as you go through scripture, as you go through the prescription, is to say, okay, what can I learn from this person? Or what can I not learn from that person? There are many more that uh, would be my prayer for you.